Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. And if you just read you, this is a test transmission. It opens a new and, I think, exciting chapter in the story of radio. This is going to be a service to provide a tremendous amount of information and satisfy a lot of different interests. I was always itching to shake it during a program. In the air, on the river and underground. We hope very much that uh, Derek can hear us. Can you hear us? From Resonance 104.4 FM and Social Broadcast, this is Transmitter, the radio show from xmtr.fm, a new space dedicated to sonic storytelling, original sounds, new voices and archive treasures from radio broadcasts, podcasts and sound art across the globe. I'm Lucia Skadzokio and I've been scanning the digital soundscape to cut through the noise. The next hour is dedicated to a one-man radio play by Jacob Dwyer called The Devil Museum. And I saw him perform this at Cafe Otto a few months ago and was hooked. And this work was produced on a residency at Rupert in Lithuania and contains original compositions by Kareem Lofty. a folded museum pamphlet across the top of the radiator. Someone needs to bleed it. 
Sunday, the 5th of January, and I'm standing by a river. Small islands of ice float downstream, thousands of them moving right to left as I look. The core of each island seems to be made of slush, held in place by a firmer ice membrane and I feel relaxed listening to them as they brush up against the snowy banks by my feet. Here we go, here we go. Task, you know, I just want to like hop onto one and then just hop hop onto the next, like little lily pads or something, and get across the river to the other side. I didn't say, but earlier on my way here. Museum in the forest. There was this dog standing out the front, going absolutely mad, so I kept my distance. But uh, I have to say, it really didn't look open. Just slightly worrying. into the forest like a mossy green lump there's a tree growing out the roof and the side wall had fallen in on itself and one second (laughs) 
like a vein under a microscope with all these blood cells moving down it. And then when they hit the banks it's like a pulse. It's a nice word, pulse, isn't it? solutions and they'd given him a company car and uh, me and him were out in Gypsy Hill so he offered to drive us home I mean it did have this um, big rainbow printed on the bonnet but uh, other than that it was a nice car this huge sunroof and it made me think why don't all cars have a sunroof like that like it took up the whole roof of the car which is great for sunlight and uh, vitamin D strangely there's also a little sunroof in uh, this room whole cabin is uh, made out of wood apart from this small like square in the ceiling but it's covered in snow right now 
Rainbow on the front of car, Martin on the driving. In the rubbish at my feet, there were papers needing signing, and he types in my address, and the sat-nav starts directing. Scratched up CD automatically ejecting, and he talks about money. So I grunt him the favour, and we're that dot on map that's just blinking like radar, then our words become nonsense. Neither here nor there, next thing look up and it's Trafalgar Square, there's the four bronze lions and that big old column, some tourists in the fountain, some locals and a wrong one. there's the four bronze lions and that big old column, two drunkards in the fountain, drowning in Sodom, we go round it once, then twice, a third time, then stop at some lights, then a fourth and fifth, sixth and seventh and yeah. I lost count at 11, but why was he doing this and when would it stop, it's like on Coldershore Road, it's like I'm running round the block, so then I start to wonder whether this was all a test, a hidden camera in the camber, Can you smell the lemon zest? and so I turned to look at Martin to see if he had noticed, huh? but not any indication or any given motives, just a boy behind a wheel, wheel. but a man upon his face. Face. Staring past the dashboard into the infinite space. Just a boy behind a wheel. Wheel. But a man upon his face. Face. Staring through the dashboard into the infinite space. And of course, all the signs were still passing us by. Big flashing neons with the birds up in the sky. And in regards to the looping, I'd left it too late to speak. So I close my eyes and pretend to be asleep. <sighs> there circling Trafalgar Square and I'm in the passenger seat pretending to be asleep and this lasts for at least three hours then at some point I notice him reach over and touch the sat-nav and through the squints in my eyes I can see him go back to the bit where you type the address and um He'd simply written London. <clears throat> I mean, that's mental. London is massive. Like uh, 18 million people or something. Let's just look that up one sec. It's actually 9.75 million people. Um, that was really nice on the Kalimba. And I like time passing. I found these crisps. Also in a little cupboard in a room downstairs and the use-by date on them was four years ago. But look, you can really hear the crunch. And there's still a fair amount of grease on them, I can see through this one, if I hold it up to the light. Oh, looks like a kind of scab, translucent scab. kind of reptile that shedded its skin. Or just a leaf, like an autumnal leaf. You know, you get them little bubbles in crisps. There's pockets of air. It's got loads of them in. Salted chips. The thing is, they're not actually chips, they're crisps. It's like when you go to Spain or something and you order Spanish omelette and chips and then it comes out and it's just like a small little pile of crisps on your plate. Like a little salad, maybe.
found a really nice door hinge and I think I want to play it to you actually. I feel a little trapped, to be honest. Um, it's been five days now and I haven't seen a single person. And, well, I can't start the project because I lent the entire budget to Martin. That was the money I was telling you about. So, yeah. Just been spending a lot of time in my cabin, really. Watching crap on the internet. Although I did see a good video earlier today. Very simple, it's just these two men and they're locked in a football stadium. Like 60,000 seats or something. Just shot from one of their phones and they stood either end of the pitch. Um, and now they're just echoing chants to each other. Back and forth across it. It feels good, I think, because they're not meant to be there. It's not the kind of video I'd normally watch. It just came on automatically. And I think that's because I lent my laptop to my sister over Christmas. And since then, my algorithms have changed because uh, she likes to watch those leg break compilations. Basically. <laughs> 
It's Friday the 10th of January, and no money has arrived. I'm standing outside the Devil Museum, hitting the front wall with a stick. A plastic wallet has been taped to the entrance door, and on a sheet of A4 paper inside it, is a handwritten message. The message explains that the museum has moved. It says that over the years, visitors donated their own devils until the building could no longer hold them all. At the new museum, in the city of Kaunas, devils are now split between three large, floors. Hmm. It's not ideal. Although, also makes a bit of sense really, I mean. I remember reading somewhere that this place was never designed to actually be a museum. <laughs> Apparently it was the house of a man named Antennas. And then uh, when he died, which I think in the 60s or something, someone found him uh, rocking on a chair in the living room. And then surrounding him were 260 sculptures of the devil. Um, which was obviously just his collection, personal collection. And then that formed the start of the museum. I quite like the idea of these three floors, though. Could be a good way to structure the book. It's nice, there's a small um, door knocker here, made of wood. It's like a face. Half bird, half human. The crooked beak or nose arches over to form the actual knocker bit. And then uh, either side of it sunken into the wood are these two like vacant human eyes. sort of staring right through me. Like a little half crow, half kind of man thing.
Summer 06, very, very muggy. New person on the Uxbridge Road acting real funny in a long leather jacket and slanking with limp. Thick black hair and back hunched in kink. Above the guy's head, wherever he goes, wherever he went, were like eight to ten crows just circling above him as he moved through the crowds in that west dealing smog like a small dense black cloud and like an image of darkness or a man from outside, walking Dean's gardens in confident stride and the professional boozers that stood round that bench were confused for a minute, then returned to the quench. Then after some time in which the man did not stop and someone would ask, they just rised with a pot. That there, that's Crow Man, and that's what he does. Crows follow him round, they circle above. That there, that's Crow Man, and that's just his way. They fly in his path and circle all day. Four months since the tackle, four months since the break. And still no sign of Martin, they'd removed the plate. They'd taken out the metal and he was on the mend. But like a ruler on a table, some things do not bend. And no one knew his wares, not even in the market. There's Pudsey on the counter and his shift had only started. And there's Crowman to my left, buying all this meat. Four kilos of braised beef, quality uncheap, and I'm curious about him. So following his tracks, and we end up down at Trumper's Way with all the crows and rats. And he starts with all the feeding, and they swoop down into feast, snatching flesh out from his fingers with their shiny black beaks. And I'm hiding in the bushes, like some guy out on a case. And I look into his eyes, and I see something in his face. And that's something it was Martin. Martin was the thing. Martin was the crow man like a bird upon a wing, and that's something it was Martin. Martin was the thing. Martin was the crow man, like a bird upon a wing. It was just a phase, and uh, eventually he grew out of it. But for a while, that's who he was. Forgot to say, he messaged me earlier. Um, Apparently there's been a mix-up with the payment. Trouble transferring from a Swedish account. Um, but anyway, he's managed to get a loan from Glasgow. And that's going to come in on Thursday. So, Thursday it is. Time is going very, very slowly. But in a way, that's a good thing, because I've got a lot to do. So if the loan comes in on Thursday, I'll have 12 days left. And uh, 3,000 sculptures 
into 12 days means um, 250 a day. And if the museum's open for eight hours a day, that means it's open for 480 minutes, which means I'll have to photograph 250 devils in 480 minutes. 1.92, which is about 1 minute 54 seconds each. Pretty tight, but it's not impossible. Just need to make sure they're open on Sundays. Five reviews here on TripAdvisor. Let's have a look at some. It's weird, none of the reviews seem to have anything to do with the museum itself. They're all just like vague devil related comments, like people saying things that they think are the devil. Right here we've got vodka. Um, someone's written gambling here. Drugs. Capital. Um, someone's written cancer. Uh, goats. Oh, no, no, here's something. Here's something. On the 25th of May last year, um, Dmitry from Minsk has written, you can see a lot of devils in wood, and that's about it. The most interesting thing was a wind whistle I heard on the landing of the third floor. It was very eerie. Beneath this comment is a feed of responses. And the top one is by someone called Swamp Beastie. And it says, that wasn't wind, that was the devil's breath. It's nice. This one's interesting. From Universal Traversal. And it says, all in capital letters, it was neither. I found a speaker behind a curtain playing the noise of wind. Goodness, that is cheeky. to work at Waitrose on my first jobs I think when I was like 16 and they had these fans where they'd like pump the smell of freshly baked bread into the supermarket um, I guess that's pretty devilish jokes aside I actually had a pretty nice job at Waitrose I was behind the fish counter so I got to like 
deal with all the fish. I used to do this thing where my mum would come in and she would order something on the counter and whatever, no matter what she ordered, I would bag up like a kilo of scallops with roe on them. And then I'd price them up as mussels in a bag for like three, three ninety nine. And uh, then when I finished my shift, we'd come home and never, we'd all just eat these scallops. It was pretty great. Goodness. Sunday the 19th of January and I'm standing on a small puddle of ice dragging a stick around my body. Thursday has come and passed but still no money has arrived. Almost 15 years since we broke our legs. Me and Martin. It was the same person who'd done it to both of us in the same game. But mine happened first, so I didn't see Martin's, because I was already in the hospital at that point. But apparently it snapped in three places. And he was just lying there on the pitch, floating in and out of consciousness for two hours waiting for an ambulance in a way I'm starting to think that I've made this break the connection and maybe I don't know him that well. This morning he sent me an email from the bank with them apologising for not paying on time. But the thing is, apologise was spelt with a Z. And we're not in America. one. 
the river has now left and I walk up to the banks. I put my hand into my pocket and pull out a banana skin. I wait for an island to pass close by then throw the skin so that it lands in the middle on top of the icy slush. First it looks funny, this small island of ice transporting a banana skin downstream. But as it starts to move around the bend in the distance, I am struck by an overwhelming sense of sadness. Tears are now rolling down my face. The sadness shakes my slumber. And as my thoughts return to Martin, I move, for the first time, into anger. Julie Elliot. Listen to that. Julie Elliot. That's the name of the person who signed off that letter that Martin sent me this morning. And uh, it's exactly the kind of name someone would have who would sign off a letter like this. Just realised it. He's made it up. I don't believe him. He's made it up. And I don't believe him. The other day I thought maybe I could just focus on the 260, the original bunch that was found with antennas which could have been a decent salvage job like reclaiming them from the this mass but yeah that won't happen now it's completely pointless me being here now I can change my flight so that is what I'm gonna do and I'm just gonna do that when I get in Walking back to the cabin, I move through the forest. The former Devil Museum stands amongst the trees like a mossy lump. Passing it, I notice the entrance door slightly ajar. So walk over and enter the building. Roots of a tree have pushed some floorboards up and beneath them I can see a basement. I pull away a couple of boards and climb down into it. A labyrinth of tunnels connects small rooms that have been hollowed out of the ground and I follow them deeper and deeper. It's like the catacombs of the old museum or something. It's mad. All the rooms are empty and as I get further into this underground system the tunnels get gradually smaller until eventually I'm crawling through the earth on my hands and knees. Where the tunnel now enters the room, I squeeze my body through 
and fall into a large, cavernous space. see something on the floor over there. an epoxy and then they've covered it in real hair pretty amazing just forgotten here in the in the caves I might take it with me It's Monday, the 20th of January, and in four hours, I will fly back to Amsterdam. Rolling onto my side, I pick up my phone and begin to swipe through stories on Instagram. What? A photo of Martin rolls onto the screen and I push my thumb down to pause it. Jesus. Standing behind him Christ. is Christ the Redeemer. He's in Brazil. It's actually quite funny. He's wearing a trucker cap and uh, on it in big letters, it says, never give up. And then the picture has been angled. So the arms of Christ Stick out the sides of the cap. And uh, it makes him look like he's got these cartoon ears. Lying in a ball at the foot of the bed is the sculpture. And as my eyes fall onto its peaceful resting face, a calmness settles upon me. Getting out of bed, I move across the cabin and unpack my camera. Then, I pick up the sculpture and head to the river.
a large island of ice brushes up against the banks and swiftly but gently I lower the sculpture onto it. My camera is set to sports mode and as the island floats downstream I press on the shutter perfectly centering it in shot. In planning I was sure of its symbolic value. The forgotten devil moving downstream towards the sea in an almost funeral procession. But as it rounds the bend, I know that I will never use these photos, for it's just the dead body of a dog on a small island of ice, floating down a river. been listening to the devil museum by jacob dwyer if you want to find out more about this work go to jacob dwyer d-w-y-e-r.com that's it from me you've been listening to transmitter a social broadcast production if you want to hear more audio works by other people past and present subscribe to xmtr.fm, our new platform dedicated to sonic storytelling.